Hey guys, this is Josh from Josh and Cassie Yell About Movies, and I am really sorry this episode is coming out Friday instead of Tuesday. A close friend of mine died of likely COVID symptoms, and uh, we had a lot of technical problems with this episode, so we almost didn't have this episode, so I'm glad I was able to finally put it together, um, and thanks for sticking with us. We're still new podcasters figuring things out, and I'm learning how to edit as I go. So uh, thanks so much. And this is our first episode with a guest. I want you to welcome David Pogge, good friend of mine. We are talking about the movie I Care A Lot. Enjoy. We got our first guest. Cassie, how do you feel about that? I don't know who you are. <laughs> who are you? It's Hi, nice to meet you too, Cassie. You. I am not sure who I am either. This is something I've been trying to figure out my entire life. We still have to talk about the movie. Did you watch the movie? I did. Did we like the movie? I obviously watched the movie. Okay, we all we all watched it. Um, what's what is it called again? I care a lot. What is it called? It's called I care a lot. <laughs> you don't even remember what it's called. Great, Josh. You seem you seem a little cranky today. I'm not gonna lie. Are you okay? Uh, well, one of, are you fussy? Well, are you a little fussy? One of my one of my best friends just died, so it's okay. Mm. Okay, well, that Took just a went dark in turn. a direction I did not expect it to go. Okay, I'm really sorry for that. <laughs> I was trying to make it funny, and it got really sad. We're talking about a dark movie. It's going to be fine. Is the movie dark, or is it just really... I mean, it's dark, but it's meant to be funny as well. Yeah, but like dark really comedy. dark. That's a, it's yeah. a dark comedy. Um, are we allowed to swear? Yes. Uh, we try to keep it to a minimum. Good to know. Because this movie is... It was really effed up. There are there so many levels of wrong in this movie. And the whole time I was sitting there watching it going, wow, this is awful. But it's also really well done. I, I watched it to the very end because the acting was amazing. The writing was great. The cinematography was dead on. All of the, the portions were fairly believable, but just really, really cynical. I loved it. I thought it was so dark but like deliciously dark and then i'm like what does that say about me that i'm loving this <laughs> so much i mean it's terrible there's not a single likable character no, in the entire all. film but i was still rooting for the main character i was i was i found myself rooting for her even though she was like the devil incarnate in human form she's a lovable anti-hero i just want you to know we still haven't done the intro uh, that's a good point Josh and Cassie, welcome back to talking about yelling at the movies. I'm Josh. I interview celebrities and live with my parents. Yeah. I'm Cassie. I'm a Gemini. I'm single. At least I don't live with my parents, though. Um, I am David. Normally, most podcasts that I listen to, the, the host will introduce the guest and say things about him. So did you prepare yourself for that? Oh, I'm always prepared. Did I mess that up? Yes. All right. All right. So I'm a childhood friend of Josh's. That's how we know each other. After basically failing at being a musician for a living, I jumped into journalism. I took a very weird path where I jumped into the cannabis industry and then started a magazine. In fact, Josh's first writing gig was writing for an upstart online cannabis magazine called Sprout.News that I was running on behalf of an investor. 
And uh, well, so I, I can pretty much say I'm responsible for Josh's career. I'm, I'm a wow. pretty important person. So you're responsible for him living with his parents, which he has admitted. That uh, he well, touche. I, I didn't say I was good at what I did. <laughs> <laughs> David, you were you were supposed to connect me with those French Canadian girls. Sorry about that, buddy. I did my I did what I could, you know. All you right, lead a, lead a horse to water, etc. All right, so uh, Cassie, you love this movie. I love this movie. It was sick and twisted, and it was exactly what I needed on a on a Saturday night alone by myself. <laughs> I did. I loved it. Rosamund Pike reminded me so much of Laura Dern. Like they're morphing into the same person. I feel like, and I I love that for Rosamund Pike. I feel like I would have loved this movie even more if Laura Dern was the star and not her. I also had some thoughts about Rosamund Pike. I wanted to punch the movie in the face, and I thought Rosamund Pike was a poor imitation of Tilda Swinton. The movie clearly originally wanted to cast, but they couldn't afford her. The movie jumped the shark all over the place. They couldn't decide what ending it wanted. It was like the director had one good idea, and then he just ran it into the ground and gave us like more endings than The Lord of the Rings. It could have ended in like a thousand <laughs> places. And then she became like a hotshot corporate you know, lawyer kind of character and turned into an action star somehow. It did go on a long time, and it did end. You're right. There were like a couple times when I thought it was going to be over, and then it just wouldn't end. I will also agree with your point that there were kind of multiple pot plots. The director didn't seem to know where he was going with it. There was a certain point in it where the entire convalescent home aspect had just completely disappeared. And it felt like that was the kind of the thrust of the movie at first. And then suddenly it's this whole other action movie. It was almost like there, it was a sequel within one movie. Also, the assistant character, they gave her a backstory and then they cut like 90% of the story out and then they forgot to cut the last 10% out. Like if you saw, there was one part where she had a weird exchange with uh, the police officer, a friend of hers, and a friend was like, hey, I used to like this, and then they just dropped it. I got the idea that they had a little fling back in the day. It felt like uh, a scene was cut that would have maybe given us a little bit more backstory there, maybe. Yeah, we could have had an even longer movie, and then Josh would have been miserable for an even longer amount of time. I really liked it for about an hour and a half when I thought she was finally going to die, and then she didn't. That was disappointing. But she did. Okay, she died at did the end. Did you watch the same movie? That was the worst ending ever. Oh, God. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you are, it was forgettable for Josh because he didn't even remember how the movie ended. <laughs> well, let's let's start at the beginning. There's a long voiceover by Rosamund Pike. Her character is named Marla Grayson. She was assigning people to be wards of the state under her care. Basically, she would put them in homes against their will and spend their bank account money on uh, her lawyer fees. The movie was loosely loosely based on a story. That which I'm sure happens a lot. And there was a guy at the beginning, sort of represents a lot of people, uh, and, you know, and, the, and the guy gets really mad at her and starts spitting on her, and then she really puts him in this in his place with this long line about what she's going to do to him, and I think it involves uh, ripping his dick off or something. Dick and balls, if I remember right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yes. How did I forget? Yeah, you'd think out of, out of the whole movie, that would be what I remember. But I think it's a little more visceral for the two, two out of three of us. Two out of three. Uh, yeah, and then she, she gives like this, the, one of the Fair. monologues that she does like 20 times throughout the movie. She goes from this corporate, soulless, like happy entity. She says, listen, I'm here to care for your mother. And that's what I do, because I care. 
I care a lot. Ding, title credit. That's the, that's the beginning. She embodied the sociopath perfectly, by the way. Uh, Rosamund Pike, specifically, in that courtroom, how she just kind of morphed faces as she went up to talk about something, about, about how much she cared when she went to put on that kind of sympathy speech. It was almost like her face changed. I'm going to give her that. Like you, Josh, you've pointed out a lot of flaws that I can't deny in this movie, but I got to hand it to Rosamund Pike. She really owned that that character change. It showed, you know, her uh, sociopathic tendencies. Oh yeah, no, she definitely did that. Where I where I thought she was a poor imitation of Tilda Swinton was just a few things which would indicate. For instance, when she gets faced off with the the little person who escapes me at the moment, and you guys are going to correct me and laugh at me. Peter Dinklage, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> it was that guy from Lord of the Rings, you know? <laughs> exactly. I'm going to Anyway, he's, she's facing off with him. He's just kidnapped her. He's like, and he has like two giant goons with a gun to the back of her head. And she makes like some quip at him. Like, you know, wasn't afraid. It was, oh, God. It, was, it made no sense. Tilda Swinton would have shown a look that she realized the gravity of the situation. So that's what I thought separated them. You need to let, need to let go of yeah, Seriously, I, I think it is time to go ahead not in this movie. let that ship sail. <laughs> um, I, I want to counter you here, though, because <laughs> I, I really, I thought that's what was brilliant about that moment. Because once again, she is portraying a sociopath, someone who truly does not feel normal human emotions. Mm-hmm. So her reaction, I thought, was spot on for that character. And it, for me, it strengthened the development of that character to where I was bought into the fact that this chick is crazy. Can I, I'm sorry, I said chick, but can we say that here? I don't even know. I don't know what's okay anymore, guys. I've been living in a yeah, cave. Yes, we can say chick. Okay. We didn't we didn't mention this, but Dave is actually living in Canada, right? Yeah, the norms are so different here. <laughs> what was that look for? What's What do you have against Canada? Hmm? I can't tell if it's Oh, no, I really do live in Canada. Um, America's hat. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, long story short, uh, five years ago, I met my wife, who uh, we met actually in Costa Rica. I thought she was Latina. Turns out she was French-Canadian. I went from being in a beautifully warm client to the worst climate you could possibly ask for. So, uh, a lot of the, the yeah. setup of the movie involves a retirement home. She must have some kickback going to, clearly. Uh, a judge who just sort of rubber stamps everything she says. He's like, yeah, that's right. I'll allow it. Uh, you know, like a Simpsons character and a doctor character uh, who actually demanded back from her, you know, I'll, I'll do this in exchange for this, in her office, calling this woman who really changed the whole course of the movie. She called her a cherry, a cherry client. You guys want to talk about that? Yes, I think we do. Sure. Do we? Do we want to talk about what? It took me a second to think about, I was like, now what the heck's a cherry? So a cherry... Yeah would be someone who they thought was, like, an easy get, right? Like, someone with money and no family, no one who, yeah, yeah, yep. just, yeah, cherry pick them, right? Like, like just super easy to manipulate and someone with a yep. life that was very easy, easy to picking, destroy. Easy picking, minimum right? effort, maximum right reward, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely what uh, what I got as cherry. When you think about that, you know, certain kinds of lingo, cherry often is re- referring to anything that is just super high value, super primo. Like, uh, I'll, I'll reference another movie, Tommy Boy. In the scene where Chris Farley and David Spade first get together, get in the car together, he said, you still have this car. And D- David Spade's character said, yeah, you take care, you hold on to something, this cherry. Okay, I've Did never you never heard see that Tommy before. Boy? 
must be more common. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a Canadian. David, she called you the older folk. Yeah. I don't know. If- you know what? I'm going to go ahead and chime this in here then. I, you know what? I, I got that, and I, I am I'm okay with that because I noticed last night while watching this movie that if I had watched this <laughs> 20 years ago, yeah. that would be when I was 20 years old. I would have enjoyed it more. I feel like since I'm only 20 20 something years from that age, I, I I have more empathy for that age group now, and it made me more uncomfortable than it would have. I didn't feel the same like laughed. I, listen, I have always been an asshole, and I I used to really enjoy laughing at old people. Uh, in, 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 let's be real. Well, you oh. know what? In the social, <laughs> I, I used to be a much worse person than I am now. But in the in the in the general context of culture, too, who likes boomers? Boomer Does anyone like boomers? I think that's what. Well, I like my parents like too, my but parents. like we all with those for every single person that is not a boomer, their parents are the exception. And, and I think that's why this movie um, goes over okay. Because while it is horrible, and it's about, it's basically ageism. It's like, what would you do, you know, how did, did you guys sort of put yourself in the place of Jennifer, who's being taken away? She seems like a perfectly capable lady, and next thing you know, this woman's knocking on her door, saying, hey, hey, I have a message for you. And the lady's like, what, what is it? Oh, let me get my glasses. Thinking it's like some invitation to a tea party or something was so good i loved her so much in this and the way at, at the beginning you really believed that she was just this sweet like little you know innocent lady had no idea what was happening like didn't have like a bad bone in her body and then turned out to be the complete opposite oh of that. yeah i love definitely that. enjoyed that twist when rosamund pike first showed up and she did the whole let me get my glasses on to read this and and the the look on her face and the realization, I definitely felt the empathy right then. And I mean, my stomach seriously dropped right down to the, and like fell out my, my pant mm-hmm. leg, just straight to the ground. Like what a horrible feel. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Did I, did mm-hmm. I just bring it down? Free Britney. Free Britney. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone scream, leave her alone, please. No, is that, an, is, thank you. Leave <laughs> I thought maybe, I, maybe that reference was too old too. <laughs> No, oh, no, I'm not that young. I'm a little younger than you guys. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I saw a lot of people comparing this movie to Britney's conservatorship online. Anyway, well, Cassie, thanks for being with me during this experiment. I hope we can, uh, thought it'd be fun. No, it's fine. I'm sorry that, that I, um, you look upset. I'm always worried you're pissed at me. <laughs> Never pissed at you. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Wait, can we include that part <laughs> on our podcast, please? <laughs> you heard that too, right, David? He's never pissed at me. I did. I came back just in time for that. So they hold Jennifer down, this nice, sweet old lady, and and then they get to the senior center, and there's like a dozen people just greeting her, all smiles, waving her in. They drag her in, and she tries to leave and go out the double doors, and an orderly gently pulls her away back to the room. A group of them push her into the room, sit her down, and then Marla says, Oh, hey, let me put my number in your phone, which you can access anytime you want. She gives it to a nurse who takes her phone away. Are you guys familiar with this? Do senior centers actually do that? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I haven't been to one yet. I mean, in that capacity. <laughs> I picked up a dude in the senior center. I do like older guys, but I don't know. Not that old. Next thing you know, they're wallpapering her house. Painting everything. Marla's going through everything in her house. She finds a safety deposit box. She goes to the safety deposit box inside, buried in a book in an envelope. 
is a bag full of diamonds, which we presume is worth several million dollars. That's still a lot of money, in case you're listening to this in the future. Mm-hmm. At least. Exactly. Uh, you're like... <laughs> When, in I mean, case someone like, finds this in an archaeological <laughs> dig or exactly, something. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, the point is that this guy shows up at Jennifer's house. No. He sees <laughs> the, the house being remodeled over. She's not there. He leaves and goes and meets. Who does he meet? The scariest Peter Dinklage that I've ever... I'm terrified of Peter Dinklage. I'm saying it right now. I'm terrified of him. He scares the S-H-I-T out of me, man. When we first meet him, he's holding a donut. He takes one bite, and then he drops it. And then the very next scene, someone hands him a smoothie. He takes two sips, and then he throws it against the window. It was, uh, well, the like, donut. This is, this is like the environmentalist in me is just screaming in pain. The, the donut was technically an eclair, and it comes up again at the end. Strikes up a partnership with Marla. He hands her an eclair. He, 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 he happens to have two of them. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Huh. It comes back. The player comes back. Yep. Yep. Wow. Really? We, they've been making them since 1902. Okay, so can we br- can we just address this really quickly? I have never in my life seen a movie where the crime boss, the badass, the guy who you know doesn't have a heart. Hold on. Hold on. No. 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 I have never seen a movie in which that character says, "Is that my smoothie?" <laughs> like that's that's not a that's not a crime boss beverage. <laughs> he's so good in this he was just so he scared me so much everything he said yeah that parking lot scene was straight out of the director who's watched too many quentin tarantino movies playbook yeah totally i love yes. the guy who was playing the cab the cab driver too that was his like one of his dude he was so squirrely and like like freaked out i thought he was really funny i liked him a lot I liked him. I liked him too, but I, I, I found his performance in the first scene to be really disparate from his performance when he went back into the convalescent center and kind of took charge. They seemed like two different characters there. Yeah, because I thought of him at first as kind of the flunky, and then suddenly he's like this badass that just gets shit done. I mean, maybe because he's so terrified of Peter Dinklage, like I am. <laughs> you know, maybe he's braver when he's not around, you know? He, scary did, guy. he did some uh, self-affirmation work between those two <laughs> scenes. Like, okay, the boss isn't here. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry. And then according to your Twitter last night, you're all about the lawyer. He was hired uh, by Peter Dinklage to come in and get Jennifer out of Marla's clutches. Oh, my God. Give me more Chris Messina in a three-piece suit. Especially, he's only 5'7", but, like, I feel like I'm okay with it. I love... I loved him in this movie so, so much. The scene where he and Marla first meet and they have that back and forth in her office is like probably one of my favorite scenes. I love that. So it comes in and Marla's girlfriend, who is also her like receptionist, right? Yeah. Is like, um, he says he has an appointment, yeah. uh, but he, he, he doesn't. He's not in the books. And he's like, oh, it'll just be a minute, you know, kind of like forces himself in. Right. And, sh- and he's like, uh. You know, I'll give you like 30 seconds or whatever. And then he makes it very clear what he's there for and that he he threatens her. He's like, listen, if you don't let Jennifer go, like, you're not going to be alive 
much longer. <laughs> right. And I, it starts out like really wide shots of the two of them. And then as the conversation goes on, they get like, like tighter and tighter and on both of their faces, just like showing how, like how much more intense it's going to be, but it's still so funny at the same time. Like that whole scene was so funny to me. I just, I just loved it. I just realized another one of the themes that this movie is really coming across with is shifting power dynamics. Like it constantly goes back and forth between who's, who's in control and who isn't, you know, Marla, Chris for a moment and they meet in court and Chris tells the judge what she's doing. And you think, wow, that's it. She's finally going to get her comeuppance. And then Marla's like, actually, uh, that's because she used to work for so-and-so and and she didn't like her. And he just throws it out. Uh, That's it for Chris. And uh, Discredited witness. Yeah. And then they they have to torture her, which I must say at that point, I pause it and I said, I am really looking forward to this torture scene. (laughs) Okay, weirdo. Because that's how much you dislike the character, right? Uh, well, sure. She was a she. Yeah, Schadenfreude, not not any kind of fetish. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> trying to clear this up for anyone who might be listening. <laughs> Don't call the cops on Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a huge difference between a, a sick fetish like that and just standard Schadenfreude. Okay, I guess I guess you guys would know. Poetic justice. But I did love how, like, like eventually, eventually, you find out that Jennifer isn't really. Jennifer and I, I wrote down in my notes, it's like peeling an onion and each onion is just like more awful. <laughs> each layer is more awful because you just learn every person in this movie is just a terrible, terrible person. Right. Somehow I think that's indicative of the era. I feel like the, the, the cynicism of this movie is every bit what 2021 really is mm-hmm. or 2020 really the last two years. Mm-hmm. I feel like that this movie really reflected the attitude of people in general. We are all now so overly cynical, untrusting of anyone, expecting anyone to just to kind of turn out to be some kind of charlatan. And uh, this movie nailed that to a point that was kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. And also she vapes. So again, very 2021. She does vape. A lot. I couldn't take that seriously. <gasps> I really like, I really had a hard time with that. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Like, <laughs> It, it is funny, and I also enjoyed the fact that movies are, again, reflecting the modern reality more and more, mm-hmm. but there's something about vaping, and I, I, I did use vape myself to qu- quit smoking cigarettes, so like I, I don't really judge vaping, but it's just, it doesn't have the toughness that a cigarette does. Like, she goes and takes a drag of that giant, like, I'm going to leave it alone what, what, what it looks like, but this giant cylinder in her hand just takes a big old swig off of it. It's just like, no, that's not nearly as tough as a cigarette. I just, I, you didn't win me with that. Well, you know what? She's evil and she destroys lives, but she's trying to preserve her lungs. Exactly. And then when <laughs> she gets thrown into a river in her car, her tooth falls out. Yeah, I hated that. That, free, I, that was, I had to look away. I hate scenes like that. I was like, oh God, I hate, yeah, that. But I had a feeling she was going to die. I thought she was going to die there. This is when the movie started to end five different times. <laughs> so you, you thought she was going to die there and then set a plan into place and then text everyone like three months in advance at a wedding and they nail everyone. <laughs> We're not talking about promising young woman. And there you go. So she really MacGyvered her way out of that car, kicked her, kicked yeah. somehow mm-hmm. the back of the, the car window open, swam out of it bought a quart of milk and put her, her tooth that fell out of her mouth in a quart of milk and called a cab. I couldn't figure out why her tooth fell out. 
Was it because, oh, because he punched her? Because yeah. going 80 miles an hour down a hill and crashed your car. But right. Somehow she was conscious <laughs> enough to, you know, MacGyver her way out of a car and swim to her life and then rescue her friend from a building. Can I, uh, can I counter that for a second? The explanation of that's what knocked her tooth out. If she went 80 miles an hour, it, it, you know, it, off a cliff, as you said, and the, that, the, that force was what knocked a tooth out, wouldn't we see some damage on the face too? Like, how does just the tooth get knocked? Oh, that's I a know. back molar. You got to get pretty deep yeah, in there with some trauma for the back uh, molar to yeah, come out. Yeah, what she went through. Yeah. Her jaw should have at least looked square. Yeah. 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 Also, um, kudos to her on that lung capacity. Holy I, hell, that, Aquaman. That's what I mean. Those, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. I, I'd be dead in like <laughs> 10 seconds down there. <laughs> I, hate, I hate that in movies because I can't be the only one who, who like just instinctively, instinctively holds their breath during scenes like that. And then I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm dead. Like, well, she vapes. She vapes. She's apparently, she yeah, she's a, she's good at a lot of things. I feel like she must have been a Highlander that lived several lives and knew how to do all these things. I feel like she could have, like, uh, used her credit card to break into houses uh, and do, like, 1960s phone, uh, phone hacking. I, I feel like she could have done all of that. Well, we do learn that she has a terrible relationship with her mother, which yeah. tracks, right? Like, why she maybe grew up to be so cold-hearted. She didn't have a good parental. Once again, that kind of felt like an element that was supposed to be fleshed out more, but then wasn't because they had made it way too long. And he learned so much about her. You'd think maybe he would know that she hated her mom, <laughs> right? Like they, right, <laughs> they had yeah. someone like stalk her and get cell phone video of her. If he knew so much about her, wouldn't he know that she didn't care about her mother? Like just go for the girlfriend. That seems like the obvious, you know, the obvious target. Clearly. <laughs> So she survives somehow, breaks her girlfriend slash assistant, Frankie, out of a burning building. And next thing you know, they're turning the tables on Peter Dinklage. And again, they uh, they pull an A-team and they break into his office complex, follow the driver and kidnap him and knock out the other two guys uh, somehow without prior SEAL training. <laughs> and then, then we he wakes up. Yeah. Is that a little much for you, David? That yeah. Scene? I, I, no. Uh, I, again, I think we've already touched on this in many ways, but the fact that she went from everyday like white collar criminal <laughs> to basically a, a James, a, an anti-hero James Bond character, just as soon as that's what life required of her. Back to the Highlander theory. I think that's the most sound explanation we have. How do you know you wouldn't? I mean, maybe when the going gets that's- tough. The tough get going. It's uh, I mean, adrenaline's a hell of a drug for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said for it. Guys, it's because there can only be one. That's why. (laughs) And I did. I took note that when she she thought her girlfriend was dead, and that she she came to and she was holding her, and you saw that first sign of humanity in her. Right? She had been terrified she was going to lose someone that she loved. And then she realized that she was still with her and looked so relieved. And I was like, okay, yeah. so there is a human being in there somewhere, somewhere, you know? Well, if she's a real sociopath, she was just going to be sad to lose that some, something, you know, that brought her benefits and pleasure. <sighs> I didn't, I didn't get that feeling though. No, I didn't either. But I, I think maybe that was a, uh, this is, this is getting way too nerdy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally get you there, but if you want to believe in love, this is the last movie you should watch because this is just <laughs> yeah, pure cynicism fair. all the way through. Like, don't look for hope in, in this, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, this, no. this affront to humanity. 
It wasn't even immoral. It was just amoral. It just did not have a morality system whatsoever. The real ending of the film, her saying that, you know, it was something like, you can't be nice to people. You got to be some like, you know, cheesy, generic, super villain type monologue that should have been the ending. But then it, it wasn't somehow. Could you guys want to walk through like the five or six endings in a row? Peter Dinklage's character wake up in the hospital with him becoming her ward. That was that was the clear first ending. She won. That was it. Well, she's using it as blackmail, though. She's saying it was actually the second to last ending because I would think yeah. the first ending was like probably when one of them almost died. But wasn't Peter Dinklage ending up in the hospital? Wasn't that like the the second like after that they made their deal and then there's that kind of like, hey, look how awesome I am because I can live my life without consequences, even though I'm a horrible person. Um, wasn't it? Wasn't that the order though? Like make the, in the hospital, make the deal, and then. Look, I'm awesome. Oh, God, I got shot. No, Wasn't I mean, like, as far as fake plot? out endings, like, her, the near-death scene could have been the first ending. Like, Peter Dinklage showing up in the hospital, and she says, and now you're my ward of the state, could have been the ending. Yeah. Like, cut to credits, and then you hear her say, monologue from the beginning. Like, the deal with Peter Dinklage, that was a third ending, and then seeing her putting more people away, counting her money, again, doing the monologue again. They agree to join forces. He tries to blackmail him. He's like, fine, I'll give you the <laughs> yeah. 10 million bucks, or we can just go into business together. And it's basically a montage. Horrible things. Right. And then right, and then the montage, yeah. that again seemed like an ending also. And then next thing you know, she's on like CNN or some show. And then they're asking her, why are you so successful? It's just because I care a lot. Boom. Fourth ending. <laughs> right? And then she leaves the TV recording, and she gets shot by the angry bushy-haired individual from the beginning of the movie. And that is the real final ending. Then there's a sixth ending after that. The interview man from the TV is saying, oh, so now your corporation where you run all these wards all over the country is doing so great. Thanks so much for coming on. And the, end, the ending line is, thanks, it's been fun. And that was the actual ending. Yes. Was it fun? That could have been, yeah. That could have definitely been an ending. I mean, it was fun for her. I mean. She was having a yeah, if you're a sociopath. And, yeah. yeah, becoming yeah. a billionaire. Yeah. I, can I say the, the ending of this movie was yet another way in which it felt very modern in the fact that the plot seemed to lack nuance. It was instead of having some sort of redemption or this gradual change, there was a static character that was a pure sociopath. And that was all there was, just nothing but uh, sociopathy the whole way through, and then, bam, dead. There wasn't that traditional way of uh, kind of morphing a character and having them grow, or having even, like, normal good guys and bad guys. I would have liked it because this entire movie was just so horrific and the characters were so evil. I would have just preferred if they'd kept it going and, like, the bad guys won. You know what I'm... I, I almost would have liked it better that way. Meaning she doesn't get shot at the end. Because it's like, hey, that's real life. Like, that's real life. Sometimes terrible people achieve, like, right. really big things by being terrible. I would have I would have that. Did you think that Peter Dinklage was going to win? Like, it seemed like that. Especially when Marla meets with Jennifer after she gets attacked. But Marla meets her and she's like, hey, do you know this person? And Jennifer's like, it's coming. You know, it was you know, like, uh, like here's Johnny. It was like a here's Johnny moment. And then she's like, who's coming? He's coming. Someone you don't want to mm-hmm. F with. And we're like, wow, Jennifer, nice old lady. What? Anyway, I thought it was setting up a, like, like a, a neutral good versus neutral, a lawful evil versus chaotic evil ending. 
Okay, is that too much? I was thinking the mob was like lawful evil by some sort of code of, of, of ethics, like Sopranos. But in Marla, it did not seem to live by any kind of code. Oh, absolutely. Oh, old school gangsters still have a code of ethics, yeah. a code of conduct that they, by which they conduct themselves. She did not. Yeah. <laughs> that is very true. She, she worked for no one. I mean, she was just concerned for number one, <laughs> which was her and, you know, no one else. I felt like the ending was kind of a cop-out for, like, all the people who hated her and wanted to see something bad for her. Like I said, I, I would have preferred if they had just kept it that the bad guys won. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I don't think that we really needed that little piece of candy at the end to try to yeah. help us feel better. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. You know, uh, you know, Clockwork Orange had a, a very similar situation, well, at least in the book. The original version, there was a version for Britain and a version for the U.S. The U.S., they left the last chapter out. The author said uh, yeah. it's, the Americans don't need that redemption crap, something along those lines. So it didn't make the movie. But yeah, the British version had the final chapter where I can't remember the main... Can anyone tell me the main character's name? I am so forgetting right now. But in any case, he's a reformed man, completely transformed, and now is a good person that functions properly in society. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't think we needed that ending. I don't think we needed the piece of candy. I needed it. Yeah, no redemption. I will say I needed movie. it. Although if it was a European film, there would have been blood. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a little blood. Um, Got shot in the chest. Man. All right. Any uh, final thoughts? Good movie? The greatest movie? We, did, we do a, a scale out of 10, David. Cassie, your thoughts? I liked it. Like I said, I was thoroughly entertained the whole way through. I found all the evil characters very, <laughs> very entertaining. <gasps> I was rooting for Marla, even though she was awful. Didn't love the ending. Y- yes. It was a little long, a little contrived, a lot contrived. <laughs> but overall, I recommend it. I think I liked it a lot better than a lot of people that I saw complaining about it on Twitter. I give it eight, eight <laughs> high, spiky high heels nice. out of ten. Uh, David? I love their heels. <laughs> I don't have a clever thing like spiky high heels, <laughs> but um, I'll, I will just give it numbered points because I am uncreative. I overall enjoyed it. Um, it did suck out a little piece of my soul. It did remind me of, of just how dark and uh, sad the world really is that we live in. But it was definitely entertaining. Uh, I thought the acting was on point. I thought the script was simultaneously convoluted and drifted everywhere, but also really enjoyable and really sharp at moments. Like some really sharp moments. Um, but again, I felt like my soul was just leaking out of, of my uh, my pants. So um, I'm going to give it a six and... Yeah, just, just straight down the leg. Like soul just kind of... I'm not even sure where it's seeping out of, and I don't want to get into that part. Oh. Oh. I didn't know this was th- this kind of podcast. So... <laughs> I told you I'm not creative and I'm trying to be, and it's really a struggle. I'm not good with metaphors. <laughs> so I, I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yes. Six and a half out of 10. All six and a half points are for a combination between the uh, cinematography and the acting with a little bit of punchiness for the writing. Um, the points off are for, well, lack of any kind of morality and, um, and for the fact that sometimes it got a little convoluted. And also, I got to get better at metaphors. Yeah. All right, Josh, what did you think? 
I wanted to quit and text you guys, hey, do I need to watch the ending of this movie to talk about it on the podcast? Uh, but but I powered through. You're welcome. Oh and God. I'll give it five <laughs> five stalled uh, brake motors out of ten. No. Stalled brake motors? You never go much. I don't think you've ever gone lower than a five. You say how much you hate oh. a movie, and you're like, oh, five out of ten. Like, I'm just waiting for you to give a movie, like, a two. <laughs> how bad will a movie have to be for you? Baby Genius is one and two. Yeah, is this? Are, do they get the first five points for participation? <laughs> what I like about it, I, I mean, yeah, what, what I, loved, I loved her character like almost all the way through, except for the unbelievable parts of it. But like her reaction uh, to being possibly killed, even if you're a sociopath, you can't laugh at the person you're trying to make a deal with. So didn't like that. I love Peter Dinklage, and then it just didn't make any sense to me, like how. She was like, oh, you have to beat me in court, Christmas, you know, you can't mm-hmm. kidnap me and you're not going to win that way, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't like that, but I love the courtroom drama. I love the subject matter. I wish it was handled a little more tactfully. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a mixed bag. Well, I wanted to talk about one more thing, though. You guys always talk about the favorite, your favorite part of the movie. So favorite part of the movie, Christmasina. <laughs> I just, I, I thought, I thought this was such a great role for him. I really did. The whole aesthetic was pleasing and i feel like it just fit the the feel of the movie it just it felt right it felt right mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> i to me like a movie is it's an experience and i say that all the time when people are like i don't like i didn't get this or that and i'm like but what did you feel like you know what i mean how did you feel when you walked away from it and i just it felt it felt right it felt right and that's our show <laughs> well put <laughs>